perfect. So a gift, right? How do you receive gifts? Are you one of those people who assumes what's in there before you even open it? And to your surprise or maybe to your dismay, you realize what's in it. (laughs) Maybe you're a person who does not ask for anything, and so anything you get is a total surprise. But what do you do with the gift? Are you someone who savors it? You know, my mother-in-law always gives us chocolate. She's learned to only give us one because we don't eat them very often. But I'm a person who savors it. She gives it to us on Christmas, and it takes me a while before I open it and enjoy it. It's a gift. Or maybe you're someone who rips it open immediately, and you enjoy it. But what about in a year? Are you still thinking about that gift? What about a few years from then? Do you even remember what you were once given? And so today, we are finishing up this series on spiritual gifts. And there's just no better way to describe what we have talked about other than a gift. Found in multiple passages throughout the New Testament, these spiritual or motivational gifts are ways that God's Spirit really uses us in the world today. And today, as we conclude, we will think together about how our gifts are meant to be stewarded, how they are meant to be shared and not hoarded. And this silly prop of a gift really does reveal our posture. And that's what I want to explore today. What is our posture in receiving what God has given us? Because scripture promises that each of us have been given a gift or a gift set. And maybe you filled out this questionnaire and you're a little anxious about the gift you were told you have. I know that's me. Maybe you question how God will even use it. But friends, I pray that today as we encounter God's word, we will learn how Jesus actually instructs us to respond to the gifts that he has given to each one of us. In today's passage, Jesus has this crowd of people following him. They're asking him all sorts of questions and Jesus will answer and then he moves on to the next place. And as he moves on to the next place, there's another crowd And over and over again, Jesus has compassion on them. And today, we will be reading from the Gospel of Matthew. And what we will read is what scholars define as a parable. Parables are stories and illustrations that help us understand what Jesus is really getting at. So let's dive in together. We're going to be reading from Matthew chapter 20. If you have a Bible, I'd love for you to open it. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love for you to just open your pew Bible right in front of you. We make it easy. Or you can read along on the screen, but let's read God's word today. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into the vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. 
He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and still found others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one's hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, 6 p.m., the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those who came were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day. But he answered them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do so? Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Today's passage might be well known, um, but it really reveals the heart of God. This landowner who has much to be cared for and much to be harvested hires people throughout different times of the day, starting at 6 p.m. or 6 a.m. and then 9 a.m., noon, 3 p.m., and then even at 5 p.m. He's still hiring people. He's got a lot of work. And when they begin their work, they agree to work for a full day's pay, one denarius. And yet it is shocking that when they actually get paid for their day of work, which was a full day's pay, they get the same amount as people who just worked one hour of a 12-hour day. It was assumed that if the people who worked one hour get a full day's pay, then somehow the person who works 12 hours, remember 12 times that amount of time, they'd maybe get 12 times the amount of pay, right? I mean, that's what the world has told us is fair. What you put in should be equal to what you get out, right? Right? I know I want that. (laughs) However, the foreman responds to the worker beginning by calling him friend. Friend, am I not being fair to you? to pay you what you agreed to receive? And then in verse 15, he says this, don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? That question has stopped me this last week. 
Am I envious? Because we have a God who is generous. That phrase, are you envious, in the Greek could probably be better rendered as, is your eye evil? Meaning, has, have you lost the ability to see correctly because of your own self-centeredness? Thinking about yourself blinds us from all ability to even appreciate the gift. And again, if we hold up how Jesus uses a story, a parable, to help us understand more of who God is, the question becomes, what is God generous in giving? And commentaries agree that Jesus is telling us through this parable about the attitude and perspective we are to have as we respond to the gift we have received in Jesus Christ. Friends, it is not about the time you work. It is about who you work for. It is not about the time you spend. It's about who has called you his own. The gifts we have been given are not based off of anything we have done, anything we have earned. That's what Jesus is saying. You have right standing with God because you have been given a gift. And it's a gift you're invited to receive. And so I want to think together about how we are called to then respond. How do we receive the gifts that have been given to us? I would say first, it's to respond with gratitude. We offer ourselves, our lives, our gifts, whether service or something else, we offer it to the world around us, first and foremost at a deep place of gratitude for what Jesus has done on behalf of you. Pastor DJ taught us, why do we lead from the bottom up? Why do you show mercy? Why are you a truth teller? Why do you encourage the people around you and spur them on in their faith? Why do you serve the people in the community you find yourself in? I would say that scripture is very clear. You do it because of gratitude. And distilling our motivation down to just gratitude is not easy. Due to sin and brokenness, we have mixed motivations. We can hide and cover up behind good works. And what I mean by that is that we can do incredible things, incredible, but do them because they make us feel good about ourselves. We can give of our time, our talent, and our treasure out of obligation just as much as we can out of gratitude. And I would say that the litmus test of distilling our motivation down to gratitude is how you use your gift when no one's watching. What do you do when the people around you aren't supportive of your gift? Do you still use them? I remember a time in high school I had an opportunity to go to El Salvador. 
<laughs> and uh, my mom asked me as soon as I said it. I mean, I didn't even get the words out before she said, why? Why do you want to go to a place that could, could be potentially unsafe, Janae? There are plenty of people here that need your care. You could serve the people here. Why do you want to raise all this money and fly and fundraise? And I think back to those questions, which all she asked was why, but as I thought about it, I realized maybe more of what she's asking to my high school self. Um, and I didn't have an answer for her. <laughs> I just said, I don't know, I want to go. I think it'd be good. She said, okay. <laughs> and I went. And I think I look back and I realize why I went. I learned that I was not bringing God anywhere. I realized that I wasn't the one doing some big act. I realized that as I went, I just got to see God at work. I just got to join him in what he was doing. I think the way we use our gifts is an ability that we can participate in what God is already doing. Whether it's making a meal and dropping it off, or maybe you participated in all these Valentine cards, which, mind you, we have about a thousand cards <laughs> that we have sorted and we will deliver this Tuesday. Maybe it's participating in blankets of love and seeing the extension of God's hand. Maybe it's participating in a food rescue or simply being a present in other places than here. We don't bring God anywhere. God is already at work. We just get to participate with him. And so why do we steward the gift? Why do we respond to the gift we've given? First, gratitude. But then second, secondly, I want to offer the word servanthood. We give all we have to offer because the God of the universe did so on behalf of us. In just a few verses later, Matthew 20, um, we're going to read verse 28. And Jesus says this, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Friends, the God of the universe sent his son into the world, taking on our punishment and our pain to offer up to us what only he deserved. He is this blameless, perfect, sinless son of God who gave his life as a ransom for you and for me. That means he gave it as a payment. He taught us through his life and death that it's not on his own power that he could serve. He could use the gifts God had given him. He did so by relying on God. We see that in scripture. Jesus continues to go to the Father to gain what he needed to continue to interact and serve. And we can try to use our gifts and our resources to use what we have, but we will simply exhaust ourselves. 
But if you draw on the grace of God in your own life, you yourself will be a gift to the people around you. Regardless of if your gift is service or maybe it's encouragement or prophecy, all of us are called to still serve. All of us are still called to use our gifts for the betterment of the people around us. And we do this by pointing to the one who gave the gift. We didn't deserve it, but we have received it. And therefore, the way we can serve God and use servanthood as a motivation to using our gifts is by recognizing who has given it to us. Because if we're honest, the last thing the world needs is more of us. They need more of God. And for some crazy reason, I don't know it, God has chosen us to be that instrument today. Jesus over and over again met the needs of the people, whether they needed water or needed food. He met their critical need, but he always did so by also pointing to eternal life, the promises we have in God. People often comment to me um, about how tough it is to grow up in today's world. And, And I get the sentiment but I actually would push back a little bit. These kids were created for just this moment. They have been intricately woven with gifts and abilities to point people to Jesus. And then on the flip side, maybe you have received your gift from God but you used it. You put it on the shelf. It is worn out, and you have nothing else left. Yes, your gifts may shift over time, depending on a season or a situation you find yourself in, but scripture is very clear. All of us have a gift. And we are responsible to pull it off the shelf and use it. The heart of servanthood is the ability to look at people and see what they really need. How do you pull your gift off the shelf and use it for the betterment of people around you? Friends, we are never the answer in and of itself. And yet we can use our gifts in a posture of pointing to the one who gave you the gift. Today we're going to respond in worship um, and we're going to be singing a song called Gratitude. And this song has just been playing over and over again in this series for me. I've just kind of wondered what God had for me in it. And so I hope you just have courage to respond honestly. What are the gifts God has given you that you can now gift to somebody else? It's okay to look at your gift and wonder, what am I supposed to do with this? 
it's okay to shake it and even start to open it a little bit and then have some questions and some doubts. It's okay to realize that your gift has been on the shelf for far too long. And it's time to be called to action. I pray that we would be people who are marked by gratitude and servanthood. People who recognize the gift we have been given that came at a great cost. And yet it is given to you so that you may share it with the people around you. Friends, would you pray with me? Lord, you are good, and your goodness knows no bounds. When we were lost, you sought us out and you found us. You brought us home. When we were alone, you came near to us and you gave us a new circle of friends and family. Each breath we take, each sunrise we see, and each song we sing are gifts from you. And so we thank you for your grace and your faithfulness. Trusting in that grace and faithfulness, we come boldly and freely to you, carrying to you the people we care about, lifting our own needs to you. You hold the world in the palm of your hand, and so we ask for your comfort. God, we pray that your justice and righteousness would prevail. Lord, would you teach us? Would you help us to walk the path of reconciliation, of peace, and of truth? We pray for those in need of your healing. We ask you to comfort the grieving with your peace in the gospel. And we pray that we would be people who see the needs around us and respond in gratitude and servanthood. And lastly, we pray for all of us in this room. God, where there is confusion, would you show the way? Where there is fear, would you replace it with your peace? Where there is discouragement and depression, would you encourage and restore us? Where there is emptiness, would you fill it with your presence? We look to you, Lord, praying now the prayer that you have taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power 